Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're not so astonished at it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Did you ever have one of those mornings you're not 100% sure where to start? <laughs> I have. Bear with me while we settle in. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96 is the number to call. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Did you ever get caught with the M50 toll? Do you know the way you're driving around the M50 when you're on a visit to Dublin? And you don't notice that the toll goes up. You see a sign that you need to pay your toll by tomorrow night or whatever. Did you ever get caught by that? Because they start jacking up the money really quickly if you miss the deadline. I've been talking to someone who got caught and is pretty angry about it. Even though she, she didn't end up getting fined. But she's pretty angry about it. I'll be talking to her in a little while. Also, um... I don't know if anyone's going to a hen party this weekend. I want your hen party stories because um, apparently the one person you should never invite to your hen party is your mother. I've never heard of anybody who invited their mother to their hen party. Can't imagine why you would invite your mother to your hen party. You know, your mother's job after your hen party is get you McDonald's and paracetamol. That's your mother's job after your hen party, I would have thought. <laughs> Sorry, mothers everywhere. 0818-969696. But to start on a more serious note, much of our conversation yesterday morning was dominated by the story of Kay Barrett. I spoke to Claire, her sister. Now, Kay is presently in Limerick Prison, serving a sentence. Serving a sentence not because she is a criminal but because she is ill. And Kay had committed a number of offences 
as a result of her illness and Claire believes and the family believes very strongly that if it wasn't for a lack of services and a lack of access to services for Kay she would not now be in Limerick Prison and we were reminded talking to Claire that Judge James McNulty in sentencing Kay earlier this year more or less said this is the only place I've got to send her this is all I've got is to send her to prison we got quite a few calls uh, in response to that including one I was talking to Don O'Leary from the Life Centre where he was saying that look the next Kay Barrett is sitting in a classroom right now uh, in school with problems and they're not being met and they're not being discovered and they're not being spotted and they're not being dealt with That and that person may be as young as 9 or 10 that took a, a conversation down a whole other angle well, we also got contacted, Fiona, by a, a, a person who doesn't want to be identified but is very close to the system. Isn't that right? Yeah. Now, they weren't commenting particularly on Kay's case, but they were just saying, because we were talking about the failings in the mental health system, um, and they wanted to give the version of events for a person who is working in that system and what daily life can be like for them. And some of the details were quite um, harrowing, really. Um, they said that they work in the Mercy Hospital and they have to say that the mental health service in this country is quite good, but a person has to work with them too. St. Michael's unit in the Mercy is full of dedicated professionals who work tirelessly to help everyone that comes through their door. It's not an easy job and they suffer from constant verbal and physical abuse. The staff of St. Michael's unit have had some of the most dangerous patients to deal with. I've seen patients set themselves on fire. I've seen a patient set a bed on fire with another patient in it. I've seen patients attack staff and try to do serious harm to them. That's only a portion of what the staff of St. Michael's deal with on a daily basis. These examples are just from St. Michael's unit, not even the emergency department, which can be even worse. There are failings in the mental health system in this country, some very serious ones that need to be addressed, but the general public has no idea what goes on in an inner city walk-in hospital. Yeah. It goes on to say then, I've seen the emergency department staff save the life of a man overdosing on heroin and when he came back to his senses, he attacked the staff for ruining his buzz and said that he had to go out and buy more. So Michael's unit has 24-hour security in the unit because it can be that bad. I have to say that all the staff give 100% every minute that they are on shift and they should all be commended for the work they do especially the emergency department staff because they have some of the worst things to deal with and they never stop caring for each and every patient from the second they put on their scrubs to the minute they walk out the door at the end of their shift. Unfortunately, some people do fall through the cracks in the system and that has to stop. A lot is also about funding. The resources aren't there for the staff. One example, there is only one on-call psych doctor for the Cork region for evenings and weekends. That covers a vast area and a number of hospitals. It puts staff and patients at risk if you have to wait hours and hours for a doctor to make an assessment. In my experience, the longer it takes for a patient to talk to a doctor, the worse they get and that puts everyone at risk. The situation can escalate very fast. If more funding was there, a psych doctor would be more readily available. Issues are there and they need to be resolved before more people don't get the help that they need. So that's a very um, detailed response that came in to us yesterday from somebody who works in the Mercy Hospital and um, I suppose it just gives uh, an idea um, of what people who work in the system are going through all yeah. the time. 
Yeah, they're, they're overworked and overrun mm-hmm. in there, and we should always think of them too. Thanks, for We had another message which I'll read in, in a minute, but just on top of this comes a report from the Irish Nursing and Midwives Organisation uh, calling for a zero-tolerance approach to attacks and assaults on staff. Figures that they've done a, a collation of figures. They've looked back at numbers starting at the start of 2021 and coming to the end of July just gone. And in that time, a total of more than 7,300 assaults took place against staff. Over 4,400 of those assaults were against nurses. It breaks down to a dozen a day or more assaults on people in the health system. And the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation said that one effect of staffing shortages was that people get terribly impatient when they're left waiting for hours, maybe even days, in the wrong part of a hospital and waiting for a bed. They get upset and they take it out on the frontline staff. The last people they should take it out on. But they're the ones there in the firing line, as it were. Michelle Kingston is with the Irish Nurse and Midwest Organisation and a nurse in CUH. Michelle, the last person you should take it out on is the poor misfortunate person in front of you. But that's the person who gets the brunt of it, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, well, unfortunately, that is the case. And it's, um, oh, for as long as I'm working, that's that in, in the emergency department, you know, it's it's ongoing. And I'm like, I'm the, the, the figures that the INMO produced, like if that's 4,400 nurses in that length of time, like over 15 years, how many nurses is that? You know, like it's, you know, and, you know, it's put up with, you know, and the, the, the general public, they don't know what frontline staff, you know, have to entail, you know, um, and it's, it's, you know, both, it's, it's more verbal really, I suppose, and yeah, verbal, um, it can be physical, um, it has been physical. I've known cases where it's been physical in COH, you know, but, um, you know, it's it's about time that the zero tolerance really, you know, uh, approach. Have you have you felt the brunt forth. of it yourself, Michelle, personally? Oh, my God. I have. I have. And, you know, as I said, like you, you become, you, you get used to it, you know, and and you, you like, I suppose, when you've got patients waiting for hours, you you're, you're empathetic towards them, and you know, and you know, before COVID, um, especially before COVID, when you when all the visitors were allowed in, and especially in the emergency department, you could have about twelve members around one trolley, just say, and you could get we could be in the middle of handover, and you get abuse, verbal abuse, you know. That's something that's and that's minor, <laughs> you know. But or you commit sight and triage. I mean, a colleague of mine was cornered in sight and triage, you know, which is very scary, you know. Um, triage is the first but, person you see when you go in to see where you go into the waiting list, isn't that right? Absolutely, yeah. yes, exactly. You know, and it's and you're in a room on your own. Now it's it's in, in the COH now. 
it's it's all glass. It's it's it, we've changed the the um the structure of the the, oh, the A and E. Very good. I was you triaged know, myself so, a number of years ago after a fall, and it was a young nurse who triaged me, and I was limping. Oh, that's me. I wasn't. <laughs> could have been. I, it was limping, but I wasn't falling over, and I wasn't bleeding, but I was limping. And she took to me. She said, "Look," she said, "You're going to be seen, but you're going to be waiting a while." I said, "Fine. I have a book. Yeah. I have a book and a bottle of water. I'm grand." Do you know? Yeah. But yeah. I'm sure you meet a lot yeah. of people who go, "Why? Why?" You know? Yeah, and like, and we always like, like that. You know, we do. We always, ex, you know, explain and say that, you know, you will be waiting. You know, however, you know, the waiting time at the moment is how many hours, whatever. You know, and you know, a lot like you now. In all fairness, a lot of people are very understanding. But you, yes, you do get you know the irate people who are waiting. You know, I'm here two hours. You know, and then. It, you know, it's, it's, but you know, you get so used to it, PJ, you know, and that That's shouldn't the be the case part, either. Michelle. It's very, 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 very yeah. sad to hear you say that. You get used mm. to it. In what, and maybe ask mm. you this, in what other workplace would you be expected to get used yeah. to people turning on you? Yeah, none. None. Like you wouldn't really, if you think about it. You know, it's, it's, and, and it is sad. And, you know, and actually while, you know, when I was, when you were talking there before I came on, like, and, you know, I was thinking about it and saying, God, I'm used to it. And that shouldn't be the case. You wouldn't put up with it at home if your teenager was, you know, mm. giving you, you know, back chat or something like that, you know, yeah. but, you know, you put up with it in work, but it's, it's, it's kind of, now it's not that management expects you to put up with it or anything like that. It's not, it's not even that. It's, it's, I suppose, you know, there's, you know, there's a part of you saying like, should God help us like they're waiting, you know, and, you know, X amount of hours or whatever, mm. but that doesn't, you know, mean it's okay. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm to, fond of quoting uh, the words of my friend Chris Luke. Uh, he, oh. he says many times, difficulty makes people difficult, which I think is a fantastic yeah. thing. But I guess the difficulty making a person difficult is exacerbated by a shortage of yeah. staff. It's exacerbated by very yeah. long waiting. You can see why someone who's in pain and discomfort sitting there for eight hours, you can see why they get hot under the collar, Michelle. Well, you, yes, you can, you know, and that's, and I suppose that's where you get used to it, you know, yeah. like, because you, there are the sick people who, and do you know something, PJ, to be honest with you, the, the actual, you know, and I'm sure a lot of my colleagues would would say the same, that it's the sick patients are the ones who are quiet. Do you know what I mean? They're the ones that don't complain. It's yes. the ones with the sore toes or, do you know, who, who really like a trip to the GP would have sufficed like you know it's so the ones, glad you're going down this road you know I'm so glad you're going down this road <laughs> because I remember being in a number of times through the hospital with, with my dad God rest him and he hated oh. going through the emergency department because he was afraid of waiting but my dad yeah. was very sick he never gave yeah. an ounce of trouble yeah. to anybody but, but around us yeah. was people with a sore toe, literally a sore toe. Yeah, yeah. Who could quite yeah, handily yeah. have gone to their GP or to South Dock, and they're Absolutely. screaming blue. Oh, you no, know, look, absolutely, or looked after themselves at home. But look, that's <laughs> that's not for me to say, you know. But yes, there common are. Sense you know, says it, Michelle. Do you, common sense? Do you know? 
you know, common sense prevails, though. Do you know I what know, I mean? I know, like, I know. You know, and but but people, but and it's amazing then, PJ, because you get the fine weather and you get nobody in. You know, bar the sick patients, like yeah, really sick. you know. Yeah, really sick. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but it's that that's 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 there for us as long as A and E is there. We, we <laughs> you know? can we can laugh, I suppose, but also I guess yeah. there is every time you get out of your car, hang up your jacket, put on your scrubs, and walk onto that floor. There is a there is a chance that you'll be attacked or injured. That's a real chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like you know, and and you know, it could be from a patient who's got dementia. Yeah. Who do you know what I mean? Like you know, it could be, and like now, you know, that's completely different. Like, but Indeed. still, at the same time, it could still happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know, it's it's that's part of that's part of my your, the the daily life of a nurse. Like that part, you know. But if you're inside in triage, or it, it but it depends if you're working in, at night time. You see, I suppose, like the difference between, I suppose, the CUH and and the Mercy. The Mercy do get, you know, the the inner city, you know, um, a lot of the inner city um, patients. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, so they look at they, you know, whereas we wouldn't see we, we wouldn't see them, if you know. Right. Um, but but we do get our, you know, our our fair share of you know individuals that are you know do cause. Havoc, like you know, I mean, I can remember one one case there at night time, um, and our security men were were attacked and inside the department, and the patient broke windows and doors and the whole lot, and this when the security was out for over a year, you know, um, you know, but like, and they're they're the you know, it's, but and then like you know. <laughs> You know, it should go help the patient, like because they're they've got issues. That that would be the yeah. you know the excuse for want of a better, you know. But like it doesn't, you know. I suppose, and, and again, I suppose because we're so used to it, which I you know that we put up with it, and we shouldn't. Now, Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, your, your union is calling for a zero tolerance approach. Mm-hmm. What does that? mean uh, they, like you can't very well turn around to someone who's get or can you I don't know whether you can or not turn around to someone who's getting a bit leery at two o'clock in the morning and throw them out with their sprained wrist you can't can you well I've I suppose I've seen it happen I've heard I've heard about it I, I mightn't have seen it but I've heard it like if, if you've got a patient who's threatening who's got threatening behavior like the guards are called you know and if they're called if they're being if they're being you know um um I suppose if they're threatening violence you know and you've you, like like our the security are, are are excellent you know and they're on they'd be all over it like you know and the guards are called but like it's like if it's a sprained wrist if it's not life threatening mm. you know it's like it's goodbye and good luck like has it often you know? ha- or has it ever happened that some colleague of yours or Co-worker, or maybe even yourself, but colleague or co-worker has been attacked physically, injured physically, and that individual has ended up inside in a courtroom because that's where they should end up. Um, no, I've never. I, no, I'm saying no. Um, not as far as I know. 
No, yes, my colleagues of mine have got it attacked and all that, but courtroom, no. Which is where it should no, end up. I'm sorry, if I go out into the street tonight yeah. and I attack someone in the street, the mm. chances are I end up in the district court, and rightly so. If I walk into a hospital, mm. emergency department tonight, and draw a clout mm. on a nurse or a doctor or mm. a reporter or anybody, that's an assault, and I should be brought before the court for it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose it's, 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 you know, and that has happened. I mean, the 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 threatening behaviour. You now, whether the you no, know, I've I, do you know something now? I suppose over the years, there's so many different, you know, um, different stories and whatnot. You know, of of you know different um, like patients. Like we could have patients who are known to us. Yes. Who who have known known mental health problems, and we know how to talk them down. Or yeah. you know that their threatening behaviour isn't really them. You know, or you know, it's they're, it's they're another category entirely. I think Michelle. To be yeah, fair. They, they are. are. Well, they are, but but they could still. But you see, but PJ, the thing about it is they could still they could still be verbally and physically, yes. um, you know, abusive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I suppose it's the case of where do you draw the line then? Do you know if you've got a young nurse, like if you're the young, a, young, a newly qualified nurse who's like, you know, 21 year old and they're faced with a 45 year old, like, like I'm saying 45 year old, but like somebody with mental health issues and their they're threatening behavior and they go to give them a clout. Do you know, like, is it okay to say, but poor Johnny has mental health issues? You know, mm-hmm. is it okay for him? It, and it doesn't matter, like, I'm not, it doesn't, like, 21 year old, it doesn't matter if they're 21, 41, 51. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's zero tolerance, uh, like, really, you know, yeah. across, across the board. But I think, you know, I because think the, the saddest part of our conversation conversation, we've been talking for quite a few minutes now, I think the saddest part, Michelle, is well, you're kind of used to it. That's the saddest part. That's the saddest part. Michelle, thank you very much. I'll leave it there. Michelle Kingston from the INMO and working as a nurse in CUH for quite a number of years. 7,300 assaults on staff between January 21 and July 22. 4,400 of those on nurses. 0818969696. If I was related to, if my daughter was a nurse or my son was a nurse or anybody belonged to me was a nurse and, and someone drew a clout on them in an emergency department and hurt them, then I think I'd be dragging that person into court because that's an assault. I, I think it's shocking. It's just me now. I think it's shocking that people have been hurt in the course of their work and attacked in the course of their work and physically injured in the course of their work and that that's never ended up in a courtroom. I think that is disgraceful. 0818969696. We have another one about the prison and the health system uh, just before I go to a break here. Um, and this is, again, tying in with the issue of K. And, and, and Kay now languishing in, in Limerick Prison because there's nothing else for her. And that's the saddest part of it. There's nothing else for Kay. I worked for a time in the court system. And I can tell you some troubled children have never done a thing wrong in their lives other than have mental health issues. Because there are care orders in place and families can't or won't look after them 
and there's no suitable foster home available, they end up in detention. It's the last resort for any judge to do this. They don't do it lightly, have no doubt about it. The day the children turn 18, they're out of the system and if still in detention, could be transferred to Mount Joy. Or they end up on the streets with no support. They end up falling into worse addiction and criminal behaviour. They have no, or at best, hopelessly inadequate psychiatric service support. Had they received proper support from a young age, most would never end up in the court. The prisons in Ireland are full of people with mental health problems. Of course, there are real criminals who do bad things, and prison is the least they deserve. But our prisons, for a large percentage of the prison population, they're just a holding area for people left down by wholly inadequate services. John Lonergan, a man before his time, he was the governor of Mountjoy for many years, a man before his time, was blue in the face for saying this. It's a long-existing problem in Ireland which isn't spoken about. Why not? We had psychiatric institutions before. Quite rightly, they were shut down, but nothing has replaced them. People have a right to dignity and a right to freedom, but unfortunately there were cases where in the absence of anything else, what are called secure beds are required for both juvenile and adult patients. We fall down very badly here, as in provision of general, as in the provision of general services, prison is not the secure bed that's required. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Thank you for that. The Cork Diary. On Cork's ninety six FM. The Tully Lee's Family Fun Day takes place on Sunday, the twenty first of August at Tully Lee's Community GAA Field, Charleville. There'll be music, food, fun, and games for all ages on the day, and the event is raising funds for the development of the community hall. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to Cork Diary at ninety six FM the Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Reminded to you, Premier League live back this weekend at 96FM.ie and on the app, Trevor and the team back uh, this Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage of Spurs against Wolves at half 12, Leicester v Southampton at 3, and Bournemouth against Arsenal at half 5. Premier League live online is with Harry Norman your home of the big screen listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie Now Nina O'Neill uh, you're worried about something that's happening at the Mangala at the moment or that has begun to happen at the Mangala good morning to you Nina um, Now what I'm concerned about as if I wasn't concerned enough about the Mangala is that um, it came to my attention yesterday on the Douglas Now Facebook group yeah. that um, now people have been noticing that there are engineers working and marking out areas of the Mangala. Yeah, I suppose and the people, it's probably fair, Nina, for you and I, I, I know the Mangala yeah, well. Yeah. You yeah. know the Mangala well. For people who don't know what are we talking about, it's a beautiful wooded area, a walk area in, in, in Douglas, just outline for people. Yeah, so it is um, an, an old mature woodland right in the heart of Douglas Village. Now, it's, it's a valley with a stream and surrounded on either side of the hills with mature trees and walkways. It's full of wildlife, protected species like bats, badgers, hedgehogs. Um, it's an amenity that people describe as the lungs of Douglas. It's fresh air in the heart of Douglas and the... NTA plan to um, build a 40 metre wide bridge and plough through the Mangla and destroy half of it. Mm. 
Now, I created a petition to save the Mangla, which has nearly 3,000 signatures now, and people have been making a lot of submissions to the NTA, um, voicing their strong objections to it, including city councillors. Um, so we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, the next stage is um, consult, um, group meetings with um, community groups, which we still haven't been given a date for, which they said they'll announce next week. But in the meantime, what has happened is um, that there were, there were no surveying works being done in the Mangla because, I mean, the plan wasn't, wasn't finalised or it was, you know, it was up in the air. So um, they, people noticed engineers working there, plus also on the opposite side, on the, the bottom of Donnybrook Hill, yeah. which is just up from Douglas Village. So they were surveying all these areas and the estate just opposite, called Shamrock Lawn, yes, no they were right. marking out the areas to, to, to be removed from there to, to widen the road. So um, I, I contacted Bus Connect. And they how, now, how, how do people know that that's what they were doing? Did someone go up and ask them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, so one of the, the workers said they were working for uh, Bus Connects. But Bus Connects confirmed to me that this, this, now this area isn't on the map, the mm. Bus Connects map. It's, it's, it's passed literally just beyond where the map ends. Bus Connects said their maps, maps are complete that there's, there's nothing to be added to, to the maps. And I, I reviewed them completely. Yeah. And this area is not on the maps. What um, Peter Horgan, the Labour representative for, for the area... Yeah, I've been speaking um, to him, yeah. Yeah, so he, he got a response from the NTA and the works being done in the Mangla, the engineering works, are not part of the NTA. And they, they suggested he contacts the City Council about it. Mm. So this brought to my mind um, a plan last year for a housing development um, right next to, in, in that exact area they're surveying, right. um, which would um, also take down a lot, a huge amount of the, wood, the wood, woodland area, take out a huge amount of the woodland area. Um, but that was, um, that was strong, strongly objected to, and they couldn't go ahead with a part of it because there was always a plan in the city council for a, a bridge over the Mangla. But that has now moved into the NTA, NTA's hand. Mm. It's all so, it's all a bit complex, as we discovered when we went exploring it a week yeah. or two ago. Who yeah. who's responsible for what, and whose decision is it? And it's important whose decision it is because we can stop it if it's someone's decision. We can't stop it if it's somebody else. It. Yeah. It's it's I mean, all a bit Father Ted, really. You kind of don't know who's doing really, what. But really, yeah. but yeah. at the end yeah. of the day, this beautiful, beautiful amenity, people are going. What's going to happen to it? Yeah. And because there's so much conflicting information. I mean, residents are out there trying to get the information for themselves. Um, now, we do have um, councillors who are very vocal, um, in particular, um, Kieran McCarthy, which I, I think he's spoken to you before as well. Yeah. Um, because he's a true historian, an environmentalist, you know, who happens to be a councillor now. So, I mean, he, he has a huge interest in this mm. and its historical value as well. And it's just, it's, it, it does not make sense to destroy this unique woodland area mm. for the sake of sustainable transport when the, there are always alternatives available. I think the locals, Nina, and those that I've spoken to at least just in passing, they kind of say, okay, look, we love this thing. This is, this is a unique part of our neighbourhood. The worrying part at the moment is we know there are plans for it. We yes. just don't know what they are and who's making them. And that makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, Shane O'Callaghan did um, 
um, um, with he organised a meeting with the tidy towns with the NTA, yeah. um, and he, I know he spoke to Fiona last month as well. Um, now they got some sort of confirmation that that they would that they they weren't you know what he used the word and um, wedded to the plan of of the bridge, but and he he said I mean he he. Um, recorded an, an interview or a video, sorry, that he posted on the page, that I posted on the page, that they suggested it should be a conservation area, which it should be. Um, now, if if that is true and that that's what the council would like, then why are they surveying the area where trees are to be cut down under their remit? It's all, it's all very confusing and it's one I think will only pan out over time, Nina, but we're going to keep across it. We have no answers for anybody today, but many, many questions about the Mangala. And if you don't know what it is, if you don't know what it is, as, as a resident of Douglas for many, many years, I invite you to come down there. Get a bus or walk or drive down to Douglas. Ask anybody where the Mangala is and walk up into it and have a look around it. Just walk into it on, on a nice day. See what it is. Experience the Mangala for yourself and then you'll understand why people are so worried that there are plans for it and no one knows what those plans are. Nina, thank you. Dennis, bitten by what? A housefly? Yeah. Now, I just wanted to... Uh, I call in on numerous occasions about the health service and the lack of it and uh, NCT, the lack of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, passports, but you could go on. But you're you're covering well on the program. But we're suffering from seagull management in this country. Wow. You know what? You know what that is. One. That's where the seagull flies in, shites down on top of you, leaves you in a mess, and flies away again. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, getting on to a serious note, I was coming up Forge Hill yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, passing Dwyer's there, and you know where you come up to the traffic lights, and mm-hmm. the traffic and the traffic are all snails up to the light, and then. Anyway, I had shorts on me and a pair of socks. And I looked down and there was this fly and he was flying flying around down by the accelerator pedals. And he bit me through the sock. So I said, oh, jeez. So then he moved from one leg to the next. And I felt like jumping out of the car, but I couldn't. Mm. And he was biting me all the time. I even got a duster to try and get him. Mm. So when I came home, I said, right, lad, you're in for it now and I got the fly spray and fly, uh, sprayed inside in the car. Right. So I said, right. I'd he hadn't sit down gone out the window at this stage, Dennis. Well, he no, he may have and I would be disappointed if he did because uh, I was in the vengeance mode. And then I got out and I was having a cup of tea outside and there was flies around as they normally are. And again, they started to bite again. And the wife said, you're so bitter, I'm surprised that anything would bite you. Are you sure now they were horse, fl- not, uh, ho- no, horse yes. flies, not house flies? That's what I said to Fiona. Like, I'm around long enough to know a horse fly, this brown thing is, is slightly bigger than uh, a normal blue bottle. Mm. They weren't. They were house, house flies. Now, when I Googled it, it says that, no, a house fly doesn't bite you. Uh, and, and a fruit fly. And there's loads of them buggers around. There's they loads of fruit. They don't bite. No, this fellow was. These flies are able to bite you through your clothes. And the other thing is, when I Google it, it says that this shouldn't be happening. Now, when we were youngsters, uh, it used to happen around September. You get a fly bite, and somebody saying, "Oh, the flies are dying, and they don't know what they're doing." 
But I've just encountered this now, and I was wondering, does anybody have an answer for it? I know you deal with serious matters on your programme, but this is serious to me. I'm sure it is. I mean, you've been attacked in your car. Yeah, attacked in the car. By a wild animal. A wild animal. (laughs) 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 And worse still, when I came to sit down outside the house for a cup of tea, I got bitten again. By so be, you've been attacked in your car by a wild animal, wild animal. who subsequently pursued you into your yeah. own home. No, no. He had mates waiting here. He, that, so, I, so he organised a gang? He, yeah, it was a gang up against me now. And this is getting serious. That's why I'm on your programme now to see <laughs> the, does any of your listeners have an answer to this. Dennis, you know <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. We're, this time, time of the year, all the insects kind of come to the end of their season. We're plagued with houseflies and, yes. and, and fruit flies. I'm so... If I, if I see one more fruit fly... Yeah. But... Do you think it's houseflies, the regular housefly? Yes, they look to me... The like regular, a regular house, but a bit uh, uh, And you're me. positive it wasn't a horsefly? I'm dead. A hundred percent it's not a horsefly because I know... Uh, like The little brown fellas? The, the brown fellas, yeah. This, yeah. Was the, this was the fellow with the shiny green back, was it? No, he looked like a normal housefly. You know the ones that you'd swat in the kitchen like and, you, and long, well, you see, long ago... No, you had, I don't know why, Dennis, you didn't, yeah. you didn't by any chance bait up one of his friends, did you? You didn't kill one well, of his friends. Well, I have been noted for being aggressive, all right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could have. Is it yeah. a black fly? Yes, it is a black fly. You know the type that used to stick on it long ago that you had the sticky paper off the feet? I do, yeah. Yeah, that's all gone away with now. But t- it, that's the type of fly. And I'm just wondering, what's all this biting about? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Dennis. These call them fellas Saint Mark's fly. So I'm told. Okay. That's a new one on me. Revenue school. Are there flies biting people at the moment? They're not house flies. What are they? Horse flies will bite you, but he says it wasn't a horse fly. Uh, Dennis is baffled. Can we unbaffle Dennis? Is that? Is that possible at all? 0818 96 96 96. Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right there. The score on Cork's 96 FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on another big weekend of Gaelic Games action and reaction to Cove Ramblers versus Cork City in the local derby. Right here, right there. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. on Corks 96 FM. Claire, flies. Good, good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What can you do I've for done, us? I've done this in so many houses. You get a glass, you fill it with white vinegar, a slice of apple or a slice of pear, cover it with cling film, punch holes in the top, and you'll see no more fruit flies because they go into it, they can't get back out. There's one small problem with that, Claire. Your house yeah. will smell like the back of Dino's. It won't. If, if, you, put, if you cover it with cling film, it doesn't. It, oh, might really? smell for, it might smell initially for the first five or ten minutes, but after that, you won't smell it. And I, I have done it all summer. I leave it there for about a week, and there is no more fruit. You'll see them inside, it. They can't get back up. They can't get back So they're attracted by the smell of the fruit? Yeah, and they go into it, and they drown, and they can't come back out. They drown in the vinegar? Yeah. yeah. You know the animal cruelty people will be on to us now, Claire. I know, but for like we have to get rid of the fruit flies if you're trying to sit down and eat a dinner and have flies landing on your food, which is worse. This is very true. This is very. Someone's on saying that uh, Claire thanks. So, so put a glass with get a glass or a cup or a mug or whatever or a bowl, 
and put a load of vinegar in the bottom of it, white vinegar, brown vinegar, I don't know if she says white vinegar, vinegar, or what's that posh one, cider vinegar, right? And put some fruit into it, cover it over with cling film, put a few holes in the cling film, and just let it there, and that'll be the end of the fruit flies. Your house, she says your house won't smell like an old chipper. I'm not sure whether she's right or wrong. She says not. Yeah, Fergal is right. They're black flies, the ones that bit Dennis. Uh, they particularly bite the ankles, and when they bite, it's a sharp, stabbing pain. Uh, interesting. Black flies. And why would they go for the ankles? Why would they go particularly for the ankles, I wonder? 0818 96 96 96. I think this man has been bitten by, by loads of flies in the last uh, 20-something days because uh, Connor is doing a circuit of Ireland, as it were. Uh, Connor O'Keefe, extreme runner, doing a circuit of Ireland, a marathon in every county over 32 days. Today is day 22, and I think you're in a place I know very well. Connor, you're in Durrow, County Leash. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing, sir? Good. You're not running already, are you? I am, yeah, yeah. We're we're just we're after cracking into today there about a half an hour ago. Okay. <laughs> and you've been bitten all over the place. Oh my god. I'm just saying there to, to Fiona before I jumped on air there, I'm like a slice of banana pie to all these horse flies here. They've yeah. just been jumping onto my calves and my arms since I started running. Right. Now where's the route today? Today is actually it was actually meant to be in Doro, but it's actually an emo court. I don't know if you know that. I do. Uh, uh, area well yeah and um, that's where we are today now so uh, we're just after kicking off there now the weather is playing ball and uh, we're, we're, we're getting it done okay this is day 22 of 32 marathons one in each county to raise money for Pieta House Yes, it is indeed, yeah. So, we won't after this one now. We've only 10 left. Yeah. You know, like, it sounds absurd, but, uh, like, just to have 10 marathons left, it's like, we don't, it's like we only started a couple of days ago. You know, it's the days have been flying because, like, yeah, we have to do the marathon, but then we have to start recovering and getting ready and everything for the next day. So, the day is just flying. Now, the idea behind it came from what, Connor? Um, I thought... It'd be a bit of crack, uh, really. To be honest with you, I thought it'd actually be um, a load of fun, and it would be a bit of an adventure and a great way to see the country. But the second half of it, then I suppose the because I'm carrying weight as well. I'm, I, I started day one with a 32 pounds in a weighted vest, um, and each day I'm losing a pound. I'm, I'm losing a pound each day. Then to kind of um, I suppose that's to s- symbolise um, kind of the weight. Of, of, of negative mental health uh, takes and uh, uh, the toll it takes on, on the body and, and the toll it took on my body at the, you know when I was struggling with my own mental health throughout my teens and 20s yeah. um, and I said you know what that's you know it's a good message and as well you know it, it's, it's, it's also kind of another uh, symbolic nature to it is um, like every day I finish I take the weighted vest off and my, I hand the pounds that I'm taking out to my dad um, it's almost like sharing the load with him, you know, and it's like it's just just like how we do it with our friends and with our family members when we sit down and go, do you know what? I haven't been feeling great, you know, I haven't been in the best of form, and I'm not feeling the best. And sharing that load with somebody, it's you know, the problem shared is a problem halved. Now, so that's the kind of element to it as well. You are an ultra marathon endurance runner, so running, you know, regular marathons, it's meat and drink to you, but. 
32 in a row, Connor? That must take an awful yeah, toll yeah. on the body. Do you know what? I've actually been so surprised at how well my body has adapted. Like when it, when the weighted vest was really heavy. So for the first like seven days, it was over 25 pounds for those seven days in a row. And it was, it just really did feel, you know, it just, it, it felt like every step I was taking was like stone, crushing my bones. Um, and it was just, you know, it, it like that, that weight was, you know, very, very present on me at the time. Um, and, and then, it, it, the strangest kind of thing happened. It's like it's it's almost another symbolic side to this whole, whole thing. Is is that you know I, I, the more I shared, the more I shed the weight, and the more I kind of you know ran through the counties and shared my story with people, the lighter it got, and the more I was able to continue on, and the more I was able to push, the more I was able to to keep going. Yeah. Mm. You know, and we're we're on day twenty two here now, and I'm probably looking at my fastest marathon good, that I've good, done. Good man, you know, Connor. Um, this day last today, week, so. my friend, it was twenty nine thirty degrees. In fact, how did you how <laughs> yeah. did you cope in that? Oh, like you see, I suppose with with anything like this, there's going to be so many elements that you're not going to be able to control. And um, but what we could control was the time we were getting up and the time we were starting and how we fueled ourselves. So. We set our alarm for 4 a.m. for about four or five mornings in a row. And we were up on the road for 5.30 and starting it early, trying to get it done before midday because I think it was three or four days I finished and it was about 26 or 27 degrees for the last hour of the marathon, um, which, you know, with the, with the weighted vest on as well, it doesn't allow the body to breathe very well. What kind of marathon times do you um, do? It, it it ranges from about five hours and forty five minutes down to about to about, about four hours and forty five minutes. That's puzzle. So, like, That's a puzzle it's, um, sprint. It's, it's been yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I I would say today we even we even go below that now. My body's feeling great. I I got out here. It's, it's a nice. The thing is, since the cool down PJ, it's actually gone an awful lot easier. It's like a different sport. Because, like, the heat takes such a toll. I even noticed when I was running in shaded parts of the hot runs, I was able to fly. As soon as I got out into the open sun, I was like a tomato just being sun-dried, know. you know? And it just it just took so much energy out of me, you know? The so thoughts I, of it. And, and tell me, when are you in yeah. Cork again? Are you, are, you, are you making your way back to Cork? Will you do the last day in Cork, or what's the story? Yeah, I'm actually making my way back to Cork. So I'm I'm in Port Leash today and then making my way back across West, so Tipperary and Clare, and then I'll be back into into uh, into Munster. I'll be coming I'll actually be coming from Kerry then and all the way over to Kilkenny and then I'll be doing the on the east coast and I finish up then in, in Cork and that's the last day. And that's 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 me me wearing one pound. Mary, one pound, and you'll shed the last pound on, on the last day. And what day is yeah, that? Where, where will you wait. finish, Connor? Um, I'm hoping to finish in, in the city. I was, I was hoping to finish maybe uh, doing a couple of loops of either the Lee Fields or maybe we get into we go into we go into um, the uh, we'll hopefully go into the the, Mar- uh, the Maradike, um to try and do a couple of loops of the Maradike to finish it out. I'd love to get like maybe my mother and a few other people that do you a know, few laps of the Maradike track to do it to finish. Yeah, yeah that'd be nice. Yeah, do a lap, have do you got the Maradike track to finish? Have you got off. the contacts to sort that out? Um, I, I probably don't like you know. Well, so I, I'm hoping our, that like our between, Pierce McCarthy from the newsroom. Runs quite a lot himself. 
and let us okay. see, let us stay, stay in touch with you. Let's see if we can organise it for you. Yeah, because to finish with a couple if, of laps. If, if you the guys train. might be able to give me a help out. Let's let, you know um, what. Let's not, have, make, let's, let's not be politicians. Also, um, let's, let's not make promises we can't keep. The only promise we will make is we'll see what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be fantastic. Um, I'll just say one thing as well. I put out a, a challenge, I suppose, to everybody uh, on on uh, on social media yesterday that if we hit a hundred thousand, our our target is a hundred thousand. We're at about forty eight thousand now. If our, if we reach our hundred thousand euro target before we reach Cork, I I'll put all the weight back in. And I'll run the last marathon with the first day's weight. I'll I'll run the last marathon with thirty two pounds in it. So if we can if we can do that, is there a uh, with, you know, with, or something? There is. A, it's an I donate page, so it's like you you can go onto my Instagram page and get it there, or, uh, which is at C O'Keefe, or you can just type in www.idonate.ie forward slash project thirty two. All right. And the fundraiser is there. We're nearly at the halfway point. If we hit hundred grand before I hit Cork, I'll put all the way all right. back. Well, in. Connor, we'll we'll do what we can, and we'll see what contacts yeah. we can rustle up to see can we get you to finish. Well, finish the whole thing on a track in Cork. We'll see if we can do that. Yeah. We'll stay in touch. So let's talk. Let's let's agree to talk sort of the day before your last day and see what we can work out for you. So stay in touch. All right. Well, cheers. That's, absolutely, PJ. Cheers, Thank you. Ben. That's ultra marathon runner Connor O'Keefe running a marathon in every county over thirty-two days for Pieta House, and he's going to finish in Cork in about ten days' time. And he wants to run a couple of laps of one of our tracks to finish out. It, that should be doable, you know. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. So that's the St. Mark's Fly, a black lad who bites you around the ankle. Dennis was bitten by a St. Mark's Fly. Quite a number of people calling us to say, yeah, that's St. Mark's Fly. Morning, PJ, the same happened to me. Fly bit me on the leg. I was gobsmacked, says Jer. They're called St. Mark's Fly simply because it emerges around St. Mark's Day, the 25th of April. Well, it's kind of a bit beyond that now. It's near the end of August. But if they're called St. Mark's Fly, they're called St. Mark's Fly. But they're the ones that will apparently bite you. Got so many midgy bites a few weeks ago on my legs and top of my arm. I ended up with cellulitis and needed an antibiotic and they're still nowhere near healed. The insects this year are evil. But I did hear that a basil plant keeps flies and other insects out of the kitchen. So I got one in Duns and it's working. Yeah, basil or basil. It does seem to work. They don't like it. Uh, I got cellulitis from a fly bite, says Maria in Yall. Yeah, I had an experience over the last, God lads, it's 19 or 2016. 2016 it started, it happened to me. I got savaged, I mean munched, chewed and spat out by uh, mosquitoes while I was on my holidays. It just happened. I was in Alcudia in Spain and there's a place we were staying was look overlooking a lake and there was a, a, a mosquito endemic to the lake and he 
he literally had me for lunch and dinner and, and supper as well and I ended up with a skin condition that is only under control in the last six months so yeah you, you, that, that, that can happen that can absolutely happen basil or basil um, buy, a, buy a plant or grow one you can grow it Irish window boxes Eamon Ryan will love us if we all have window boxes well your window box is a great place to grow basil or basil and just put it in the kitchen and apparently these fellas don't like it at all thanks for that and if for advice for Connor who's running his marathons if he in the morning before he goes out if he rubs a basil or basil leaf to his arms and legs uh, then they won't bother him thank you for all of that 0818 we were talking about scams the other day and someone messaged us with one that they nearly fell for and they wanted us to tell you about it I'll come to that but uh, we're looking at back to school now and god it's only a week or so away now they'll be starting to go back next week they start to stream them back a couple of hours a day and then everyone's back by the 1st of September there's a lot of preparation involved, particularly for the, the school lunches. As they get a bit older, maybe they start making their own. Do the teenagers make their own lunch? <laughs> I'm thinking of parents here going, what? Are you out of your mind? Do teenagers make their own lunch? If they do make their own lunch, what are they putting into it? And are they making healthy choices? And can you help them with those healthy choices? And do you even know where to start with helping them make those healthy choices. Let me talk to Sinead Delahunty of Delalicious. Sinead, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, when you went to college first, you were amazed that people ate pot noodle. Uh, you brought a lunch every day because you learned to make a, a, a packed lunch. I don't know, do teenagers yeah. make their own packed lunches anyway, do they? Um, well, I would say like there, there's definitely a mixture out there. Um, I, I have to be upfront and honest on that. I would say my mom made a go to of my school lunches even in the last few years of secondary school. But I suppose I would have, um, we would have agreed what was going into it. So, you know, I would have had some input in it. And that's really the big thing. It's about um, having collaboration between your teenager and, you know, your parents at home or care at home. Um, because as you said, like what's going into the lunchbox, you know, where do we start? And the big thing is, I suppose we know that research is being completed um, that was just released earlier this year that um, teenagers are lacking, particularly in the areas of calcium and vitamin D. And then in terms of fruit and veg in the lunch boxes. Yeah. So, you know, going adolescent to teenager, you know, we're looking for healthy bones um, and everything. So we really need those good sources of calcium and vitamin D to support that. Um, and that largely comes through, you know, uh, dairy in our diet, uh, but also through, you know, other sources. So the key components of the lunchbox, you know, can be the simple sandwich. We can start there with our carbohydrate source. So it could be a piece of bread, could be a pita, you know, our mm. roll, our wrap, or it could be rice or pasta, you know, so you could use some leftovers from your dinner, we'll say the night before. And then, then getting in our portion of uh, meat or we'll say alternative in terms of our pulses, our lentils, our mm. nuts and our seeds. And then our dairy source. And for teenagers, you're trying to get, as you said, there's a huge amount of growth happening. So you're trying to get up to five portions of dairy a day in a teenager, whereas that kind of 
reduces then to three portions, um, we'll say for an adult. So really trying to make sure it's a long day, like, you know, particularly in secondary school. So you're trying to get ideally two portions of dairy in there. So it could be like yogurt or cheese or many schools then um, also take part in the school milk um, campaign. So there'd be fresh and chilled milk available for students in the school. So that's a great option. You know, it's great to rehydrate um, after playing sports or just in the hot weather at the minute. Um, you know, milk is a really, really good source of hydration vitamins and, and electrolytes that are essential for growth. How do you convince teenagers, though, Sinead, that all of this lovely food you're talking about, how do you convince them that it's a better choice than a bag of potatoes and a Mars bar? Oh, listen, that's a huge challenge. Yeah, a really, really big challenge. Um, you know, and particularly like loads of schools, you know, would say only have the shop down the road, you know, or maybe a shop in school that only has those options or a vending machine, you know. And yeah, it looks cool because everyone else is doing it and you might be the odd one out coming in with the, the pack of sandwiches or the lunchbox or whatever. Um, but I suppose it's sitting down and having that open discussion with your teenager. They're going to be aware of it, you know, if they're completing, um, you know, home economics, biology, any of the science courses or likewise the new PE curriculum, you know, would all touch on these kind of topics. So they will be aware of it and it might be reminding them of it now. They might have forgotten over the school holidays. Um, but like I, I have done many food demonstrations in schools, you know, and they can rattle out to me the food pyramid you know, like like we know the alphabet. And and they're incredibly conscious conscious also of I suppose, suppose food waste and food mileage and food sustainability. Mm. So um, that really is to the forefront and particularly looking towards like seasonal and Irish produce, local produce. Um, and particularly like our Irish dairy is, is, is an incredible, um, sustainable um, food source. And mm. likewise, you know, our fruit and veg, our colour, you know, so they're the real components. So it's probably just reminding them of it um, and then allowing them be, become part of the lunchbox process. Mm. So, you know, sitting down, you know, doing the shopping together or planning the shopping list together. And planning out like, okay, what do you actually want for your lunch? You know, um, and particularly we have to think about um, the long day activities, maybe before school and after school, um, or likewise just early starts and, and people don't want to have maybe breakfast to start with. So having maybe that larger, small break, mm. you know, in terms of smoothie or, you know, more of a breakfast option like a yogurt and granola or overnight, overnight oats. And the thing is as well, um, I suppose you have to be conscious that teenagers are consuming a lot of social media, you know, and, and they're seeing a lot of actually food being produced on social media as well by a variety um, of people. Yeah. So, you know, this also is part of the conversation as well. And again, making sure that, you know, what they're seeing matches up to what they've learned in school about the food pyramid or, you know, um, healthy food gui guidelines and balanced plate guidelines. Do you think so that think the teenagers that of today, Sinead, teenagers of, of this generation, I think they're probably more in tune with their nutrition and what's good for their bodies than, say, my generation was? Yeah, I think they're definitely more educated. But again, I suppose we have the issue with um, false information. So it's making sure that they're getting their information from credible sources. Yes. And the National Dairy Council have produced a whole campaign this year to support both teenagers and parents and carers uh, to assist with that school, school lunchbox piece. So there's a large amount of information on their website and as well um, a whole recipe resource. So um 
myself and um, nutritionist Evan Lynch created five recipes and they're all there up on the website and likewise on their YouTube channel where you can literally cook along with the recipe. So they're really nice resources, you know, back to it evidence um, and again from a credible source. Mm. So it's just, again, having that open discussion, you know, and talking through what should be in the lunchbox and, you know, the requirements for a teenager. And it's really just breaking it down very simple, trying to get those five dairy portions mm. in, five to seven fruit, fruit and veg, and then thinking about your carbohydrate source and then your protein in terms of your meat or your fish, or your lentils or your pulses. Very good. All right, Sinead. Leave it there. With thank you. Uh, Sinead Delahunty of Delalicious. Those recipes and advice videos that they've got are on the National Dairy Council website ndc.ie you find all of those videos there. 0818 96 96 96 Right, I was in work a few weeks back and I got an email from my boss who was out of office for meetings. It asked me to go and get 10 100 euro vouchers for Apple iTunes and send him the codes for our investors. I was so confused because he was typing in the same way my boss would. This was, we got this on the back of the WhatsApp messages that that say it's your child or your teenager and this is their new phone and they've lost their old phone. I almost fell for it until I clicked into the email and he changed the actual name to the identical email. But then there was another actual email beside it. I have access to the company card, so it could have been extremely close. If I was someone who wasn't technical, I would have fallen for it. Scary stuff. I'm in work at the moment. Yeah, that would be another one you'd be caught. There's another one going around, and I won't mention the newspaper. Uh, But I subscribe to quite a number of newspapers. And the other day, I got an email purporting to me from one of them saying that my monthly subscription hasn't gone through uh, because there's a problem with my payment system. And I thought, no, there's no problem with my payment system. And I opened my bank uh, app, and sure enough, the money had gone through. But this email told me it hadn't, and please update your payment methods. Me, backside, I just deleted the email. Um, but they're out there. There's loads and loads and loads of scams. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96, 96, 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Just coming back to uh, nurses maybe being assaulted and other healthcare staff being abused at an overcrowded A&E. Every time PJ's on about overcrowding in hospitals, it's, uh, he says, go to your GP, go to your GP. What GP? In case you hadn't noticed, there's a shortage of GPs. You can't get uh, an acute appointment. The way the GP's surgeries are run is part of the reason the A&Es are overcrowded. Blame them, not us. And here's another thing. In some practices, the locum that will eventually see you says, oh, you should see your regular GP about that because he, he can fit it in the bigger picture. So you end up paying another 70 quid. Yeah, there is a problem with GPs. There is a shortage of GPs. You're correct. I'm not going to deny that for a second. The advice is go to your GP, assuming that you have one. But none of that, none of it, justifies or excuses abusing nurses in the in the emergency department. I'm, I'm sure you're not saying that. I just wanted to put it out there. Yesterday it was assaults on public transport. Today assaults in A&E. The problem is not getting them into court. The problem is what happens in court. 
until courts take all the assaults seriously, then nothing will change. I must say I was disgusted yesterday, uh, disgusted with the dismissal, the sort of wave away now, go on away now, don't be annoying us, dismissal of this idea of a transport police. The, the, the upper, high, the higher uppers of, of this country sort of sniffing down their nose at the bus and rail union who want transport police. The people driving the trains and driving the buses and the people taking the trains and taking the buses are crying out for a transport police. But they're just kind of brushed off. Oh, God, no. Go away now, little people. What would you know about that kind of thing? That annoyed me yesterday. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Gillian, you have tickets for... Uh, the last big gigs of the year, which would be the Garth Brooks concerts in uh, Croke Park in September, all of which are sold out, which means the tickets are like hen's teeth. You need to sell them or raffle them. Good morning. Hi. Um, yeah, so I have tickets for this Sunday, September 11th, and I can't go. So I said rather than sell them, I would try and raffle them and make some money for Cork Ark Support House. Um because I use Cork Arc for counselling services okay. following my lung cancer diagnosis when I was 40 back in November. Okay. So um, they've been just a godsend to me and just I couldn't thank them enough. So I just thought what better way of trying to give back as such than just raffle the tickets, make some money, give it to them. They're one of our Radiothon partner charities as well. So very, very close to our hearts, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really really good. Um, they've stepped in, um, when like friends and family have done everything. But I need a professional help. I needed when you're faced with your own expiration date, something in your brain is just wired wrong, and you just need professional help to overcome that. What kind of thing? Tell me again the kind of things that they do there. Like you go to, you go in the door, and you're it's kind of it's yeah. like a warm hug, isn't it? It, it's like a hotel for with feeling. That's what it's like. It's absolutely beautiful in there. It's so relaxing and welcoming. All the staff are amazing. You're just made to feel like you're at home, basically. Um, they have a range of services. They do reflexology. They do massage therapy. They do Tai Chi, yoga. Um, there's, there's food programs. There's learning to cope with a cancer diagnosis. And then there's the counselling. So that's what I use it for. Yeah, yeah. You must have been very hard. You were, you were diagnosed just after your 40th birthday. You're very young. Yeah. Yeah, I um, was 40 on the 2nd of November and I got diagnosed on the 12th. Um, no history or anything like that and had no idea cancer was even on the cards. Yeah. Um, I thought I had a reaction to the COVID vaccine and just following scans and PET scans and everything else, it turned out it was uh, lung cancer. So I was floored. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went from being super fit in the gym, out running, out walking all the time to not being able to make it up my stairs without having to take a break and sit down and catch my breath. And it just went from there, really. Um, got the news on my own because it was COVID. Couldn't bring anybody into the hospital with you. And then you're just told to get back into your car and drive home with this great news. 
Um, so that was hard. Yeah. And then because again, COVID, your I went for surgery. I was very lucky. I had surgery on the fifteenth of December, so it was all done within a few weeks. But I was in hospital all over Christmas, um, just because there was complications. So that was hard because you have no visitors. Sure, and that's still the case for a lot of people. And how? Yeah, it is. How did you discover Ark? Who who pointed you towards Ark? Yeah, so it was the lung cancer nurse in the CUH, Marie, who told me about them. She said, look, you're not ready now, obviously, but when you are ready, look them up, um, give them a call, see, see, do you want to use them? So it took me a good long while. Um, I've only started using them about five weeks, but it's just it's brilliant. I can't say enough good things about them. They they ring you before your appointment the day before to make sure you're okay and that you're, you know, that you're still able to come and if there's anything else you want to talk about and they'll tell you about different programs coming up if you're interested. Um, so it's it's just a continuous mothering as such. That's a nice way of putting it. Like a, yeah. So you have these tickets for Gart and you can't go and yeah. you put them on Instagram. They're, yeah. they're decent tickets, Gillian. They're very decent tickets. Yeah, yeah. They're like I absolutely love Garth Brooks. I had tickets in twenty fourteen to go see him and sure then the whole saga. So couldn't go and then Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. And got them again for this year, but I just can't go on the Sunday. Um, so I just said, you know what, we'll just sell them uh, or not sell them, raffle them off, make some money for it. So I put it on Instagram because I'm not on Facebook and I'm getting brilliant response to like words of encouragement, messages, well wishes. But what I need is to sell, is to raffle the tickets. Raffle the so I, I want to get the money. And are you using your Instagram to do it, you are? I am, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and but where, can, yeah. where can people find you? So, um, Jill, Jill R02 is my Insta, um, and then all the, the um, 
the hashtag for Re- or for Revolut or GoFundMe, they can do either or whichever they want to use because some people didn't want to use Revolut, some people wanted GoFundMe. So it's Gillian Ryan in GoFundMe and then Revolut. I the details are on my Insta and it's I've made it public so everyone can see it. Okay, well let's see if we can help you get some <coughs> some me. of that lines sold and some of those raffles in. Brilliant. So we'll share yep. whatever links we can and we'll help you with it. Cause Thank you. Arc House are close to our heart because they're one of our they're one of our partners for Radiothon every mm-hmm. May and we love what they do and, and uh, clearly we can see the benefits for you. Yeah, so they're, we, we, they're we, instrumental. We'll help you in any way we can, Gillian, with that one. All right? Brilliant, thank you. You take yep. care Brilliant, now. thanks, thanks PJ. And, and look, look, out, look after yourself. Uh, thank you very much. That's Gillian. She can't go to uh, Gareth Brooks. She has good tickets and Ark House have been very good and very kind to her uh, on an ongoing basis for the last couple of weeks and months um, diagnosed with lung cancer after her 40th birthday and Ark House being brilliant for her so she wants to raise money with those tickets for Ark House I think there are links and stuff that we can share and we'll help her with that and get some of those lines sold for that raffle uh, good luck to you Gillian 0818 96 96 96 uh, yeah, another scam coming in. Uh, scams and phishing. Just a reminder, there's a great Cork company that's helping people to do business with strangers and you don't get scammed. It's called TrustApp. That's a, a new one on me. Uh, opinion line, just wondering how shops can sell drinks in one store for €2 Euro and another store 150 for the same bottle. I think it's a disgrace. All the prices should be within 10 cent of each other. I haven't seen it. I, don't, I, know, I know that bottles of stuff have gone up ridiculously. And the bottles, something that cost maybe a euro six months ago, is costing nearly two euro now. Uh, talking about, I buy bottled water. We've, we drink a lot of bottled water in our house, both the still and the sparkling. And I have a particular fondness for the water that Tesco sell, their own is it Glen Patrick or something is the brand I have a particular just a fondness for it. And that's gone through the they've been rooflet. I mean their their two litre their large bottle, of which I drink a bottle and maybe a bottle half of it a day, their large bottle has gone from forty five cents to I think I paid seventy two the other morning. And their fizzy small bottles. They sell them in packs of six, and they used to be, God, they used to be one thirty for six, and now they're closer to two euros. So bottles of stuff have gone up all over the place, and that's just water. I, I try not to buy fizzy drinks, because if they're in the house, I'll, I'll buy them, but they are gone up. 0818 96 96 96. Just on the hen parties. Um... <laughs> We have a few people responding to this. Would you invite invite your mother to your hen party? Does your mother have any place at your hen party? I'll get the particular article or research or such in a minute and read it to you. But I'm just thinking of people organising hen parties. Like, would you have your mother at your hen party? Does she belong there? Or is your mother's job? And I don't care. Some look. Some people, their mother is very young. 
But surely your mother's job is to buy you McDonald's and bring your fluffy pyjamas the following day and just make sure that you're all right and that you're still alive the following day. <laughs> That's your mother's job. Your mother's job is not to be there drinking cocktails and throwing plastic willies around. That's not your mother's job, to be honest. Would you bring your mother to a hen party? My future sister-in-law has invited my mother and her own mother to her hen on Sunday. They're making cocktails. We'll see how it goes. Ooh, that could be dangerous. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, if you're following this in the newspapers or on the television and radio news, if it's something that interests you, and according to the last census. Uh, where people expressed a religious preference. Over 80% of those who did said the religious preference was still the Roman Catholic Church. So there's certainly an amount of interest out there in this. But a document that has been sent to Rome uh, on behalf of Irish Catholics, tens of thousands of Irish Catholics took part in a process, uh, sort of, they called it a synodial process. They basically got together and had a big opinion poll and a big think tank. And they sent a document to Rome asking for some changes in the Catholic Church and recommending some changes in the Catholic Church. So there are many elements to that. I don't intend to go into them in a whole pile of detail. But one of the things that this document suggests very strongly is that it is time now for the Church to start looking at the ordination of women as priests. It it also asks why we can't look at married male priests, and that's another element of it. But this document shows, among the people who took part in this process, and there are quite a number of them, that the idea that a woman could be ordained a priest is perfectly all right with an awful lot of Irish Catholics. Not with you, Con. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, uh, PJ. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely against um, w- women priests being ordained. Why, Con? Because, because it, it's ordained. You see, the Catholic Church is not a democracy. It is a, it is, it's, it's an institution. And uh, there's just certain rules, you know what I mean? And we, we can't change uh, God's doctrine of it, you know what I mean? Well, Con, every institution has to look at itself from time to time and change rules. Like the GAA, and I know it's not a fair comparison, but it's just a comparison. GAA has to change its rules. Political parties have to change their rules. The rules of how I do my job have changed dramatically in the many years I'm doing it. Why would it be so bad for the church to change? It, it would because it's not God's. Uh, you see, God is the superior being. He, he created us. He created the world. He created everything, and we can't. We we haven't the knowledge. We've, we've, he he knows all things, and he knows that women would be unsuitable. Why, why, to be why would they be unsuitable? Why, did he, why cool. did he say they were unsuitable? Well, this is my opinion anyway. I think women are too kind of soft. They wouldn't be hold the line on 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 the tenets, the tenets of the church. You know, you have the Ten Commandments, which are not being spoken at all recently. You have the three people being to forget about the Ten Commandments. Mm. You know, the, the Fourth Commandment, thou shalt not kill. The Fifth Commandment, the Fifth Commandment, thou shalt not kill. The Fourth Commandment, thou shalt obey the father and the mother. That's been very downgraded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those things, we cannot change, because that's why the Catholic Church is the one but, true but faith. But nobody's asking to change the Ten Commandments, Con. No, <clears throat> nobody's asking that. 
Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but they're being broken every day of the week. They, I, they are. Broken. And whether, whether, whether men are priests or women are priests, they will yes. continue to be broken, Con. They will be broken, but, 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 that's one of the great things about the Catholic faith. It's, 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 it cannot, it, I'm going back to the traditional Mass now, the Latin Mass. Uh, well, 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 Vatican II changed that, didn't it? I mean, it, we don't do that anymore. We don't, we, we, we can, oh. You can still have a Latin Mass, but it's that's not. Where, the, that's where a lot of the rock set in, PJ, from Vatican II. Modernism came in. Modernism, and modernism is a big problem in the Catholic Church now. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, bear, bear in mind, modern Vatican II, and, you know, I, I, I won't say my church history is, is, is big, is, is a strong suit, but I know a little bit. I mean, it was John the Twenty Third, the Pope brought in Vatican II, and every Pope since has followed from it. And you mentioned this document going to Rome, and you say only God can change the rules. But, but I was taught, as a small boy through my catechism, that... The Pope, i.e. Francis, he has the right, as, as we believe as Catholics, as God's representative of honour, he has the right to change the rules. Well, no, well, a, a visionary, there's a visionary, I know it was in, in Brazil or, 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 the, or the Philippines, got a message from Jesus that the Pope who will bring in women priests there's a special place in hell for it but hold on a while that, that, the visionary that, that's fine but let's come back to Francis' role Francis' yes. role or before him Benedict and whoever succeeds Francis their role will be and John Paul before them their role will be the head of the church they are the head of the church they are the ones representing if you want Jesus Christ on earth. Yeah, they are the ones that make the, the rules. Vicar, he's the vicar. He has, he has certain, uh, yeah, but he can't, just certain tenets of the church he cannot change. He can change maybe uh, how long preparation for priests and for, you uh, know, mm. lots of other things I can. But, yeah. But, but like, where where, where has, did it say, would you mind telling me, do you know, uh, where did it say, where did God say? Because I don't know where it is in the Bible, and my Bible, my Bible study wouldn't be wouldn't be great now, can I be honest? But where and but where where did it say in the Gospel, shall we say? And where did it say in the Bible that a woman can't be a priest? Well, I don't say, but it's 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 a tradition of. of it, so it's, tradi- so it's not written it's not down. It's not written either. down. It's not God, written down. God, I, I know it's not written down, and I suppose. Where do we have the word of God? Where can we read the word of God? Where the Bible. We, we read Bible. it in the Bible. And we read it, we read it specifically, or most, most particularly, we read it in the four Gospels, correct? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And we yes. also read it if in, in another, another book, the Acts of the Apostles. Now, yeah. where between the four Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles... Is it stated that God ever said, Jesus Christ on earth ever said, women can't be priests? He but never he, said He it. never said, I can throw that back at you, PJ, so he never said there will be someday, he will, no. there will be women priests. You know he, what I mean? never said, he, he never said they wouldn't, and he also never said only men. He never said that, I know, but, we, but look. So he never said he, it? He never no, said. No, Pope Benedict, Pope Benedict said, he was asked one time about this, and he was a great Pope. I'm, I'm afraid Francis is not holding, is, I wouldn't rate him, Francis is as good as Benedict. But Pope Benedict said he never got a message. He wouldn't walk up in the middle of the night, Peter, and said, 
Now, Benedict, time to alternate, please. You know what I mean? You never got the, the message yeah. like, you know what I mean? So, so, so yeah. you don't, why, okay, why don't you think women should be ordained, Con, yourself, other than the rules, which I think, I think we're in dispute about the rules and who said what. I think. Well, I'll tell you what the reason I'm listening. My late mother was a kind of a feminist in her younger years because women were kept down in Ireland. But I, I always remember the day in 1993 or four. she died in 1999, she said, this feminism has gone too far. It's gone too far, she says. It's gone too far. And this is all coming back to feminism. And feminism is a kind of a religion in itself. The women is all powerful. The woman, when woman is great. And we've seen women great and great men in this country. They're playing football now and soccer and fair play to them and they're doing great. They're very successful. And guess what, Con? You know what? I'm not a great mass goer. I only go a couple of times a year. I go to funerals. I go to mass at Christmas. Uh, my poor mother wishes I went more. And, and, and that's as it may be. I would have absolutely no difficulty with a woman saying mass? Well, I tell you, I would find a very big difficulty. Now, women can do everything else. They're very good in, in, in other parts of, you know, the church or anything, you know what I mean? Like, the woman's main place, and of course the feminists hate this, the woman's first place is to get married and have children and raise ah, children up in the Catholic tradition. So that idea is But see, women are looking for power. This is, is feminism. This is feminism. Not, real, real, no, no, rearing no, no, no. its ugly head. That, feminism that, no, is rearing its ugly head here. To do with. That, 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 that's long gone. Can, <laughs> can I, listen, I have, a, I have a daughter, and I don't hold any of those values out for her. She'll have her own values. And guess what? Do you know what? If she came home to me tomorrow and she said, Dad, I want to be a priest, I'd say, off with you and best of luck. I have a friend I was in college with. Good friend in college is a priest in in, 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 yeah. in the Anglican Church. I think it's great and I'd have no problem with it. Con, you make a good strong case. We disagree. We've disagreed before. But thank you for an interesting discussion. I certainly enjoyed that. I certainly enjoy that. A lot of people do disagree with Con. Uh, I disagree with Con. Um, I'd love your thoughts at 0818-969696. We haven't done something like this in a very long time. But it's there now. It's in the news. Um, the Catholics of Ireland who came together and had a kind of a think tank, kind of a symposium, kind of a, a document. And basically the letter's gone to Pope Francis, which says, Dear Pope Francis, the people of Ireland, the Catholics of Ireland, who took part in this survey, this think tank, would like you to consider the ordination of women. Your thoughts? I have no problem with it. And I can't be neutral here. I genuinely would have no problem at all with it. 0818969696. Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. Irish National Opera and Cork Opera House presents The First Child, written by Donica Dennehy and Enda Walsh. A huge hit at the recent Galway Arts Festival, The First Child is the triumphant conclusion of Dennehy and Walsh's uniquely dark operatic trilogy coming up in September. Access all areas. Clonakilty International Guitar Festival is is turning 18 this year and it returns to West Cork on the 9th to 18th of September. Some of the artists playing at Clonakilty this September include Andy Irvine, Arissa Anderson, John Spillane and Susan O'Neill. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, some people want to take up that discussion about whether or not the Pope 
should ordain or consider the ordination of, of women that I discussed and teased out a little bit with Con. One person got on and said, it's not up to me to tease it out with Con. Some things are just for acceptance. Unfortunately not in 2022. But look, we'll, I'll come back to it. Your thoughts are welcome. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I read a piece while I was on holidays about 50-year mortgages and 40-year mortgages. But 50-year mortgages, if you take out a mortgage in your 20s, you'll still be paying it off when you're 70 if it's a 50-year mortgage. I got my last mortgage when I was in my, let me think, 30s. I would have been, yeah, I would have been in my 30s. Uh, or coming up to my 30s. Yeah, I would have been in my 30s uh, getting my last mortgage. I would be in my 80s if it was a 50-year mortgage, if I ever get there, paying off that mortgage. In Sweden, I nearly fell down dead when I read that they give out 105-year mortgages. Philip O'Connor is an Irish journalist based in Sweden. He's been on the show with me before. Philip, sure, that's... You'd never pay that off, mate. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Always a pleasure to talk to you and your listeners. And I won't be talking to you at the age of 105 when my mortgage is paid off, I'll tell you. Well, you'd be about 135, I'd say. But <laughs> <laughs> about 150 by the time that happens. No, but this is one of those things. I don't think it's not, the point isn't that you're ever going to pay the mortgage off, PJ. So you and me, when we grew up in Ireland, you had this idea. I, I'm not sure if you shared it down at Cork now, but above in Dublin anyway, we would have thought 20, max 25 years is what your mortgage would be. Yeah. So when I moved over here in 1999, in one way, the housing system is completely different, right? So people aren't as inclined that, you know, we always wanted to get the key of our own hall door, as my grandmother from Clare would have said, right? But that wasn't the case over here. And I was astounded the first time. The first mortgage I got was in 2002. Myself and my wife bought a little apartment in a place called Shista, near where Ericsson had their headquarters. A lot of Irish people worked there. And I was saying, okay, well, you know, how does this work now with the interest and, you know, having to pay off the principal? And basically, the guy in the bank says, don't worry about the principal, right? Don't worry about the the amount of money you've borrowed because it's like inflation will take care of part of that and sure you know you pay it back when you pay it back and sure if you don't pay it back we'll just sell it when you die or you know your your kids can take it over and I was astounded because you know I'm sure when you got your last mortgage in your authorities there you were going okay how can I get this paid off as quick as possible yeah. but that wasn't at all a necessity here in Sweden back in 2002 when I got on that particular hamster wheel but one of the things that I'm most looking forward to, and I actually have the day written on, on, on a calendar, the day of my last mortgage payment. And I'm thinking, with a bit of luck then, I'll have quite a few healthy years after that. But, like, are you yeah. still talking about having a mortgage payment in your dosage here, Philip? This is the thing, right? So I, I turned 50 last year, PJ, and I started to think, hang on a second, how am I going to pay these things after 65, 66, 67? But you know yourself, PJ, free, freelance journalists, they never retire anyway, you know? But that thought did cross my mind. And I sat down and I started trying to work out, okay, what would I have to do to be able to pay it off before um, the, you know, before I, I would want to retire? And one thing is that, you know, the, the fellow in the bank was right. So inflation is after eating an, an awful lot of what the mortgage was to begin with. 
So the house that we live in now is probably worth twice what it was when we bought it back in 2011. That's just the way that the prices have gone, yeah. you know. But at the same time, you know, you can't wait another 10 or 15 years. You know, I'm kind of rubbing my hands a little bit now because even if the price of a loaf of bread and a pint of milk is going up, it's eaten into my mortgage as I go. But it's still not entirely, you know, it's still entirely possible that I could be paying a mortgage when I'm sort of 70 years old. We'll see what that level is at. And are your but, payments going up or are they constant? That's one important question. Do, do they go up? Are they very variable. Well, they're not. So I'll tell you the way it works at the moment, right? For years, you didn't actually have to pay off anything at all. And about 10 years ago then, the government went, hang on a second, this is going mad. They saw what happened in 2008 and the crash and the consumer credit bubble and all these things. And they said, right, lads, we'll have to start paying off something. So they brought in a rule whereby you have to pay anything over, if you've a, a, if you've a mortgage and it's anything over 70% of the value of the property, you have to pay off 2% of the principal per year, right? 2% of the principal per year. So that's fixed and you know it'll stay at that because that's the original amount that you borrowed the interest rate we have a variable interest rate which will go up and down and if it's between 50 and 70 percent of the value of the property then you have to pay one percent of the principal per year so those things are fairly fixed and like i say inflation will ease into those things as you go along so but it does remain sort of fairly static throughout the yeah. life of the mortgage then so i mean you got most people here who are servicing a mortgage it's taking possibly what a third if not slightly more maybe of their of their monthly income um yeah like what percentage of i know freelance journalists you never know from one month to the other what you're going to earn and i, I don't know whether your whether your partner works or not but what percentage of the household income is 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 taken up in that mortgage Oh, I, I, you know, be, uh, between sort of, you know, I'd have to give you a sort of an estimate there. Yeah, I'd yeah, say yeah. it might be maybe 10, 10 or 15 percent. I'd say I'd be surprised if it was any more than that. Right. You know? And very, unfortunately, being a freelance journalist. That's very serviceable. It, it is. Yeah. Now, the, the risk is, of course, PJ, if interest rates go up, then you could get hit hard. And in Sweden in the 90s, they had their own sort of property crash and they had their own financial crisis, their own sort of Scandinavian version of that. But people are very wary of that. And they sort of plan, they factor in these things now. So everybody is hanging on the same central bank because the Sweden, Sweden obviously never joined the euro so they have their own central bank here and they decide the interest rate so when they went up by half a percentage point there might have been last month in July they put it up everybody was sort of hanging on that and everybody sort of you know they, they do things accordingly so they might say okay we'll, we'll go to the bank now and we'll say okay we'll fix the interest rate here we'll pay a bit of the odds for the next three years or five years just to have that financial certainty just to know that you know we're not uh, we're not going to get hit by something you know eight nine ten percent further down the line mm. And it works out and people are happy with it. They're happy enough for it. I'd have to say, though, in general, PJ, that... Is getting the mortgage difficult? It's not. Now, it's not like in Ireland back, you know, maybe 20 years ago at the time of the boom where, you know, you had letters hitting the mat every week offering you 50,000 for this and 100,000 for that. And if you ask for 200,000, they'd say, well, here's 300,000, off you go, you know. They're, they're very, very careful. So they have their calculations about what you can do, what you need to earn and that kind of thing. And they'd rather send you away empty-handed than give you something that you're not going to be able to pay off. So there's not this sort of vulture instinct where they let you buy a house for half a million, but you can only really afford one for 300,000, you know. And that's the thing. They go through absolutely everything in terms of the value of the house and what you earn and, and the assets that you own. And then what they want to be sure of as well, PJ, is that when you pass away, basically what happens, the moment you pass away, an estate is formed, right? And anything you own, any of your stocks or your shares or your house or anything else like that, they're all assets in that estate. So, you know, if when the time comes for me and my wife to shuffle off this mortal coil, that'll be part of our estate then. And there may be a little bit of cash in the bank then for the first couple of months of mortgage payments. And then our daughters will have to decide if 
if they want to continue with that, if they want to sell the house and then pay whatever's owed back to the bank, back to them, and then take whatever's left over. Okay. Back, you know? so, so they could the stay in the house actually, and service the mortgage. They, they could, yeah, because they, they'll inherit that, you know, at the same time as they'd inherit the mortgage or certainly the choice then, you know, so it'd be the executor's job then to ask them what mm-hmm. they want to do with it. And if they want to sell it and split the money, off they go, you know, but if they want to keep the house, then they can stay there as well. So it's quite a smooth system in that way. Sounds like a very forward thinking system. Philip, thank you. Uh, the mortgage system in Sweden, so much different to our one here. <laughs> For the lifetime, literally, of you and the house until you decide to sell it. That's interesting. Philip, thanks. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Whether it's okay to have your mum at your at your hen party, uh, I can. I wonder would would my dad have come to my stag party? Although he did pop in for a pint in the very early stages of my stag party, but um, no, I, I, the idea of your mum at your hen party, I don't know whether it's I, I, it's a modern thing. You know, they have stens now. They have stags and hens together, which I think is the most repulsive idea I've ever heard in my entire life. Hey, PJ, my mom would kill us if she wasn't invited on the hen party. She's the life and soul of any party, and she organizes all of our girly days and nights. And she's 69. Thanks, Diane. Uh, my mother will definitely be at my hen if I ever get married. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not too sure. See, your mother is the one who always tries to be sensible Susan. And you're out there going on the lash with the girls. The Prosecco's flying. And Mammy's the one who put the brakes on us. Maybe. No, I oh, don't. What? Who said nothing wrong with a sten? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. They're an abomination. Sten. Absolute abomination. Whatever, whoever came up with them, with that idea, dear God, no. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> on uh, yeah, I'll come back to the, the whole women priests discussion I had a good chat with Con actually in the last hour about just one of the things in this document that the Irish Catholics or tens of thousands of Irish Catholics have contributed to that has now gone to Rome to the Pope and among the things that the Irish Catholic community is asking for is that the Pope look at the prospect of allowing women to be ordained and myself and Con were just chewing it up a bit, a little bit or teasing it out a little bit about it Con completely opposed to the idea of women priests he says it's not allowed he said God never allowed it he also never said God didn't allow it either but at the same time and I said no I think I'd have no problem with a woman priest and with some thoughts coming in on that I'll get them shortly 0818 96 96 96 I want to talk to Maura O'Connell from West Cork Casting Studio who's a lovely running a lovely concept of memorial type jewellery Maura good morning Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Good. Compliments on your work. It, it, it really is lovely. Where did the oh, idea come so from? Much, yeah. And what's it all about? 
You know, PJ, my work here at the studio, it's all about families and connections and memories. And up until COVID, I was doing casting, life casting, where I specialised in groups, hands, you know, um, family hands, couples, babies, family groups. Because I think that in a family, we're as familiar with hands as faces. So hands are very special. But obviously with COVID, I had to stop that. Mm. But would these be the kind now of hand about... prints like that you'd go down and you'd oh yeah put your hand print into a what a piece of clay or something and then you make a oh no 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 it's a bit more elaborate than that it would actually be more of a 3D design so mm-hmm. if you think of the statues say inside in the Crawford yeah so it would be like that but I just focus on the hands okay um so it's 3D you can touch that like say for example I did a beautiful piece a few years ago for a lovely girl up in in Turner's Cross but she's living over in Florida at the moment and I did herself and her mom with their hands together because she said she's always lonesome for her mom when she goes back to Florida and she's been you know she sends me texts every so often saying just that that when when she's lonesome for her mom she can rub her hand and feel that connection and actually her mom did pass away recently enough so she has this very special piece holding hands with her mom forever so all the pieces are quite emotional and so when when lockdown came and I couldn't do that face-to-face work the silver jewellery had been in the back of my head because I'd seen fingerprint jewellery and I knew it's the same ballpark it's all about connections it's all about family and about feeling you know connected to that person so I started making the fingerprint jewellery And from there, that developed into Memorial because I'm sure some of your listeners will be aware of Felicon, the beautiful charity for when babies are stillborn. And they do a little keepsake for the parents of little handprints and footprints. And I can use those to to create a little stamp. I have a little machine here at home. I can create stamps and imprint into silver. So you could have your little baby's handprint or footprint in silver. And that from there, so that that was one one. It was a customer request, to be honest. Mm. Came and said, "Could you do this?" So, and it's beautiful work, PJ, to to give parents something tangible. You know, they can touch and they can hold it. That's a little connection to their baby. And then from that, again, another customer request. I am. I was asked about using ashes in the silver. Yes. So again, a little bit of a little bit of. Um, experimenting here at home and so I'm able to incorporate a tiny amount of ashes cremated remains into silver so it's actually incorporated as opposed to the silver being a vessel to hold it if you understand me so the silver you'd you'd melt the silver is it put the ashes into it and then mold the silver add the ashes and so yes exactly so when you see the silver there's actually a lot of texture on it and that's to me that's the presence of your loved one that's that's their essence. That's something you can hold in your hand. You can feel that bit of texture. And it's a very strong connection. And that, you know, that that's the feedback I've gotten from people. Just knowing they're there, they're with you all the time. It's, it's very, and it can be very, um, can be very comforting and it can mm. help an awful lot with healing, you know, with after grief, after loss. It can, it can be a very comforting thing. Yeah, I, I, you often hear of people who put pictures of loved ones into lockets and 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 that kind of thing? This is taking it to the next level. You you. This is yes, yes. This is this is. I guess it is next level. Um, but you know, like I say, it it just it came about very organically. So, you know, I'm 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 really I'm kind of very 
pleased with it, if you know what I mean. Without, you know, obviously we're talking about loss. But the fact that, that people came and asked for this, they want something like this and that I was able to create it and give people something, like I say, that's just a great comfort. That's, that's a very special thing to be able to create. Yes, and, and clearly there's a market for it because you're very busy. Oh, quite, yeah, yeah, t- uh, t- touch wood. Um, you know, obviously it, it's not a market you want to be busy in, but it's it's the whole nature of life and death, PJ, isn't it? It's the circle of life. Um, you know, just yesterday I met a little five-week-old baby whose little hands and feet I cast. And, you know, later today I could be working on a memorial piece for somebody. So it, it, it's the whole range of, of the lifespan I'd be working on. Okay. This is a kind of a life pivot for you. I don't know how you started out, is it? No, no, no. It's it's a complete pivot. Isn't that the word we That's used the there a couple of That's years word, ago? Yeah. But yes, absolutely. I yeah, um I started off I I did social science in college and I worked with FOSS then for about ten years or more as an adult guidance counsellor. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a complete change away. But to be, to be fair, I've, I've always been creative. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, PJ, I think this is the perfect coming together because the, the life um, coaching or the uh, guidance counselling is all about people. And uh, I'm combining that with creativity now in what I do. And I, I think I've landed on my feet. I really I'm so delighted with the work I'm doing at the moment. I think yeah, you have landed on your feet and you should be delighted because it's lovely work. We can be found at West Cork Casting Studio. Look them up on Facebook. Maura O'Connell, thank you and good luck with uh, your project and your company and your continued with your continued success. Mothers at Hen Party, is it one or three? Uh, I'm going to guess three. Martine! Hello. Hi. Mothers at Hen Party, yes or no? Oh, definitely, definitely. Really? Well, it, all, it also depends on your mum's age and health and stuff, you know, um, and, and whether they can take a joke or... And, and what type of hen party it is, you know. Yeah. And um, my hen party twenty years ago, we went to Limerick, and um, it was just at the time we couldn't organise something else. And Limerick, you know, is, is isn't a place for everybody. But we picked a nice spot, yeah. and I brought my grandmother, who I absolutely adored, and. She brought me up for two years because back then, you know, it was hard for young young parents to get accommodation and stuff. And eventually they did when I was two. So she was like my mom as well. And she loved dancing, loved going away. And she died. She died about five years later. And I made a speech at the funeral and it just made people laugh. Yeah. And the photographs I have, no way treasure them. And she was the last one there. We couldn't get her out of the nightclub. <laughs> she absolutely loved it. And she was delighted that she was involved. And you now my other nana wouldn't have been for her, but that, that's okay too, you know. But it's nice to be invited and let them know, you know, you are welcome. And, yeah. Um, you know, well, obviously she, you'd she be could, invited. she could take a joke. Obviously and you'd be invited. Catholic woman as well, you know. Obviously you'd be invited, Martine. I'm not yeah. saying don't invite yeah. your mum to a hen yeah. party. But I think mum has to think long and hard yeah. on whether she now actually wants to go. Now my mum herself went home a little bit early. Um, yeah. 
And I actually went with her in the end because um, I, I was actually tired. I was drained because for me, it was going on all day as, as a bride-to-be. But um, I went back early enough with her. But w- it was just absolutely fabulous. And even the funeral director afterwards, he came up to me and he said, your mother must, your grandmother must have been an amazing woman to go to Limerick for a hen night, you know. <laughs> That was a, no. a nice, mem- nice memory to have, and we, we, we make such a, a thing about making memories these days, and rightly so. I think we got much more tuned into the idea of making memories in recent years, and that's. Saying, I'm not saying don't thank you, thank you, Martine. I'm not saying don't invite Mum to your hen party. Maybe you picked me up wrong, or maybe a state of it said wrong there. I'm saying, does Mum actually go if she's invited? Uh, the female section of the Daily Mail. Uh, a woman called Lindsay Nicholson is writing, she says, being a willing prisoner at her daughter's hen night. Daughter was Hope. And she said she uh, she made a discreet exit after an incredible amount of Prosecco was brought out and consumed. And vodka shots were lined up. And there was a drinking game called Mr and Mrs., and some of the questions became increasingly more X-rated. So, so she writes about, well, I got invited, but I don't know if I should have gone. My, oh, this is Fiona, she says, my mum and my mother-in-law were at my hen, and I gave my mother-in-law a baby Guinness, and she wasn't able. No, you wouldn't be, would you? But my cousin had her mother and mother-in-law at the hen, and there was a game of cards where she had to answer questions, and some of the questions were about her love life. It made some some very uncomfortable moments for the bride and the mother. A great crack for the rest of us. 0818-96-96-96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Bantir Makara will be holding a fundraising field evening this Saturday, the 20th of August in Kilcorny. Starting at 3 o'clock, there'll be a dog show, tug of war, face painting, pony rides, live music and much more. And it's all in aid of Marymount Hospice. For more information, check out Bantir Makara on Facebook. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to Cork. Diary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary With Tusla Fostering Now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork See fostering.ie On Cork's 96fm The Islamic Cultural Exhibition uh, is happening this weekend at the Imperial Hotel. Now we've spoken about this in the past uh, with, uh, with Ali. Ali, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good, and lovely to speak with you again. You have your you. your exhibition at the Imperial Hotel on the 20th of August. Tell me about it. Correct. This Saturday. This Saturday. We've been doing it for the past 10 years, well, except for 2021. We couldn't have done it because of COVID. But um, it's a it's a big event. We We've invited, as we've done for the past few years, we've invited... The Lord Mayor, Chief Superintendent, and anyone who would want to attend. Um, it's 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 going to be big because we missed two years, so we were trying to catch up. Um, what we do is we would like to let the society know who we are. So it's going to be cultural. It will show almost and just about everything Mm. in the Islamic culture, which is a wide and varied culture because we come from all different backgrounds there, PJ. Approximately how many members of the Islam faith are living in Cork, Ali? 
Oh, um, last I was asked this question. We were about about forty different uh, nationalities here in Cork, right? And in Ireland, yeah. I see. I see. So you have, you yeah. have quite quite a number of people, and and yes, is it that you? What, the purpose of the exhibition is that to invite the rest of us to meet. No, it, no. Okay, yes. Go ahead. Yeah, to, to we. It's 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 a it's it's building bridges. It's an open day for people to come in, ask questions. No matter what kind of questions, we'll take it in. We'll answer it. We'll sit down. We'll. Uh, we'll have a cup of coffee, we'll have tea, we'll talk to the person. We just want people to know who we are, what we do, and stuff like that. So we, it, we, It's just that an open book for people. You don't have to Google it, come in, sit down, and talk to the person. You know, the media, and I'm not saying you or anyone, I'm not pointing fingers, mm. the media sometimes demonizes people. Whereas, come in, talk to me, and you will know me. That's what, what the good book says. Don't judge me before you know me. Yeah. Or know me before you judge me. Yes, yes. And, and, and I understand where you're coming from and what you said because, you know, we've had times over the years where, where people have said and thought and written very nasty things about, about the Islamic faith and, and I've spoken to people like your good self and, and, and all I meet and all I hear is just lovely, kind gentle people who, who must feel terrible when this stuff is being is being written and said correct it does more harm and damage to us than anyone else um, you know whenever one of those events happened uh, it backfires at us yes the innocent the rest of the good people whereas the one who is that bad and bad you'll find in any background, in any faith, in any color of skin. It's not uh, kind of uh, uh, relate all, only to us. However, um, I wouldn't blame people for judging that way. It's, it's in human nature, but I would like to invite them to come in and talk to us and know us. It would be good if we could communicate and uh, that way, we will get to know each other better. I mean, I, the past few years, I spoke to people and they were like talking to me and they, <clears throat> some of them will be like, can you speak English? And I'm like, hello, I grew up in this country. <laughs> I've been here for the past 21 years. Do yes, they do I that? came. Ali, do they do that? I, can you speak DJ, English? <laughs> I, I'm telling you, some people ask me, they say, do you have roads? In your country, and I'm like, uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm telling you, I, it, I, I heard some questions where you, you'd be like mortified. You'd were, be you, like, were, you, were you born you here? Were you born here? No? no, no, I grew up here. I came in as an asylum seeker about twenty-one years ago. Right. So and I and I I thank the system for giving me a chance to get a life a new life. So studied, worked. I work. I work now as a bookkeeper for the Key Co-op, and I'm having the time of my life. I know, like when I came to this country, I see as an asylum seeker. Where, where did we you come were from? Put, may I ask? Well, Algeria, North oh, Africa. Okay. There, PJ. All oh, right. Yes. 
And uh, I was living in a room in one of those hostels with two other medical doctors. So the, the two other medical doctors now are are practicing. One is in Bon Secours and the other one is in has his own uh, surgery. Fantastic. And Fantastic. myself, I am, as you know. So at that time, there was a lot of criticism. We were not given a chance to speak or to say anything. Now I really wish that we are given that chance. So we, we will tell people that we, not everyone is that bad and not everyone comes in to take advantage of the system. We're working with taxpayers, with rent payers, with yeah. all that. So this is what we want and this is the message that we want to send out and what we want people to come in on Saturday and see. We will have the Lord Mayor at one o'clock. She will be there. She will give a speech or whatever. If anyone wants to come in, we will be more than happy to welcome them. Okay. Ali, listen, lovely talking to you and have a have a good day on, on Saturday. Same to you, great, PJ. Great to Thank you very much. You're, you're doing so successful. And there's a, the chap runs a barber shop where myself and my son go for a haircut. And he's, right. an, he's an Algerian lad and he's making a life for himself oh. here. And he knows cool. all the young lads around and he is everyone's pal. You're, and I, I, I've met a few of your, 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 your people from Al- Algeria. Lovely people, Ali. Yeah. Lovely talking to you. All right. Thank you very, very much, teacher. And I would like to wish everyone like in the audience a wonderful day. And please come in and talk to us. All right, all right. Good to talk to you. Ali, the Islamic Cultural Exhibition uh, at the Imperial on Saturday, 20th August. This one's been sitting there for a day or two, so I don't want to neglect it. I was booking a flight to Malaga for my friend. And on the Ryanair website... It stated that a 20 kilo suitcase would be 28 euro, 99 cent. So I booked that for a return flight. When I received my confirmation email, it went up to 39.99 for going out to Malaga and 28.99 for coming back. I rang them and he said that was the price of the luggage. And I said, no, I saw it on the website when I was booking. But he said the flight was booked, so I couldn't do anything about it. Has anyone ever experienced anything like this? Small bit confused about that. So you thought initially it was twenty nine ninety nine return, and then it turned out there were two different prices for the two different legs. Not a hundred percent sure, but if anyone's come across that before, where they offer a return price and then that breaks into two prices, I know when I booked our luggage. On Ryanair, I booked the very first day you booked the flight, so don't go in later on and do it because you'll always get a better price if you do it the first day. Uh, I booked it and it was an each way price, not a return price. They don't do a return price. Maybe that's different. Anyone come across that with Ryanair before? 0818969696. Now, on women priests and a lot of stuff coming in in response to my conversation my debate really with uh, Con I personally it's a female caller I personally have no problem with women being priests but it's not a big deal to me at certain times in your life the church any religion can become important and then you realise there are bigger things than whether women are priests or not and even though it's something I don't understand you appreciate the church for what it is I feel a lot of the women calling for this are on a power trip a gotcha trip that's interesting now, I argued with Khan 
that it doesn't say anything in the Bible about women or in the Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles about women not being priests. Uh, Con's argument was, well, it doesn't say they can be, and I said it doesn't say they can't be either. But uh, another female caller, I just found it, Timothy, chapter 2, verse 12. I give no permission for women to teach or to have authority over men. A woman ought to be quiet. I'm practicing Catholic, says this caller, but I don't agree with it. I'd prefer if women could become priests. There has to be change. Someone else saying it's in Corinthians. Uh, Corinthians 11, verse 3. I want you to understand the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. From Corinthians. So there. Catholic Church is ruined. Only the nuns or women priests can sort it out. Then another female caller. This is an interesting point. Catholicism is a mystery religion. Not everything has to be in the Bible or prone to logic. And it annoys me when presenters do not accept that and try to use logic in defeating a tenet of something the church says. It is okay to ask for explanations, but not to try and prove something wrong. You either have your faith or you don't. So for me to use... The argument here is that I was saying to Khan, where did God say women can't be priests? And he didn't, ever. At least Khan can't find any reference to where it was said. Neither can I. But this caller is saying we just need to accept it. But you can't just accept something you can't see proof of, can you? Maybe that's the mystery, maybe that's faith. I don't know. In the old catechism, it literally said, women are for men's use and benefit. That's the attitude behind the ban on women priests. And the last one for this, if an Anglican priest comes out of the Anglican order and joins the Catholic Church, his wife and children can come with him. So what's the difference between that and Catholic priests being allowed to marry? And there's another thing I would have absolutely no issue with whatsoever is priests being allowed to marry. None that ever was. 0818-96-96-96. Am I going to be damned to hell for all that? I don't know. <laughs> 2021 is being described as a transformational year for the everyman, for our good friends at the everyman. And it was a difficult year, a really difficult year, a year in which they were closed for nine months and then they got open again and then having brought back their panto, they suddenly had restrictions brought in at the very last minute and they still managed to do a panto. It's it's a hugely successful, well, a transformational time. And even, even in a pandemic, Barney Whelan, who's the chair of the Everyman Theatre Board, Barney, it's been successful in every way that it could be, despite all those limitations. Good morning. Good morning. And yeah, it was, uh, it, it wasn't a surprise, but you could, we were delighted with the outcome from 2021 because, you know, when you're closed for that length of time, you don't have costs associated with putting on shows. But having said that, um, you know, we only get, we get 92% of our revenue from ticket sales and donations and partnerships. Yeah. We don't get a huge amount of Arts Council funding. So uh, that's an important distinction for our model. But having said all of that, you know, the Everyman um, did uh, 
there was always a show for audiences to attend, either online and in, or in yes. person during the year. Yes. And I remember that I, when you mentioned that the panto, I remember, oh my, we were we were there meeting every single week, um, saying how much will it cost to, to do all the rehearsals, and then. If we if we do the rehearsals, that's the cost. But then we then start to put on shows, and if the if the restrictions become uh, dodgy, well then we'll start losing money on it, you know. So, but we actually managed it, and you can't think that there was an actually at one point we there was an eight p.m. curfew. I was uh, just going to say that <laughs> I remember the great announcement that, that 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 there would be a panto, and I remember talking to the wonderful. Catherine Mahan Buckley about how excited they all were about it all. Yeah. And then when the restrictions came back in and everyone had to be gone home by eight o'clock, what the hell are they going to do? And the answer, in yeah. fairness to everyone, you said, we'll do it. We'll sort yeah. it. Yeah. And you did. <laughs> oh, I remember the day when we, you know, we built up to it for about three weeks. And I remember the day when we had to make the decision we were going to go for it. And uh, yeah, it was unanimous, you know, but anyway, in the end of the day, it all worked out and it worked out because people came out and they wanted to come to see the panto in the everyman, you know. But the other thing that we did um, really well last year was we got some money from Cork City Council and we put on a whole series of live outdoor events with every man at the Elizabeth Ford. That near was Kinsale. brilliant, Barney. That was, I yeah, was at a couple of those really shows. Well. It was brilliant. I, I was, it yeah. didn't come back this year. I was half, half surprised it didn't. Yeah, yeah. So we're busy producing other stuff at the moment, you know. So, but it was really good, I thought. Um, but I suppose one of the, the, the things that I'm very proud about in relation to last year was that there were no staff let go, there was no wage cuts, there was no redundancies. Yeah, I was fascinated the, to read the, that. That, yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, 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 because I know I'm involved with a number of other arts organisations and they were the first to suffer, the staff and uh, and the production teams, you know, they, when there was a lack of work. Um, How did you achieve but, that? I mean, that was you were closed for weeks on end. How did that achieve? Nine months, yeah, nine months, yeah. And that's because, well, we had, we had the, we, the staff costs are the staff costs and we, we prioritise those above everything else. And it was seriously important to us that that we had our staff, our team still with us at the end of all that terrible period. Mm. But during that period, we also uh, opened a building to artists to rehearse or develop their own work. Yes. And that team was available to, for production advice or guidance or technical advice and guidance. So. So overall, over the whole year, there was about 400 artists availed of that facility through the, within the, the theatre. So, so I, I'm really taken aback by, by, that, uh, by that approach to what was a very difficult period, you know. So, I was, I was, but we also took... Yeah, go sorry. Ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so we also took the opportunity when the theatre was black to, to, to do some capital works that will that'll make for a more enjoyable audience experience as well as for the artists themselves when yeah. they're working in the theatre. So yeah. I was I was in there uh, the other night. I was at the Letters yeah. of a Country Postman and I was most impressed with it. And you really are back 
And it's great to see. There's an affection, I think, among certainly among the listeners to this program and this radio station. There's an affection for the everyman uh, yeah. in Cork. Very big for affection. sure. And yeah, and and we saw that uh, through the year as people who had booked tickets just turned them into donations. Uh, that really it was overwhelming. That that type of response, you know. So, but, you know, um, we also had uh, another uh, um, pandemic phenomenon, which was Reggie. So we had an <laughs> evening with Reggie for about 10 nights. <laughs> I know. Well, that, 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 that devil, he packed it up and he's back. <laughs> he is, he's coming back in October, yeah. And if we look at the next, um, at the next few weeks, Joanne McNally, another lockdown phenomenon. Yes, she's back with uh, with her Prosecco Express, and then at quite the opposite end of the of the spectrum would be the steward of Christendom, which yes. many years ago was put was done by Jim McCann, and when it was such a powerful play that nobody actually thought that anybody else could do it, and Jim passed and. But now Owen Rowe took it on, and he, the the Dublin reviews are unbelievable. Extraordinary, and extraordinary. Now have, yeah, I can't wait to see it. So actually. there's it's now, f- yeah. So we have four nights in early September with that, and yes. um, there's another one, uh, a reimagining of Animal Farm called Animals, and okay. Des Bishop is doing another one, and Scullion are playing in late oh, September. Oh, legend, yeah. legend, and of course yeah. there's a panto. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That, we're we're very happy about that now. We're planning away like no one's business on that. Excellent. But you know, to wrap up September, um, Fish Amble Theatre are going to do four separate plays on four separate nights um, at the end of September. So mm. all of that is on everymancorp.com. Yeah, so. and you can buy and you can book and you can look at what's coming up as well. Do you know what, Barney? One last question for you: the online side of things became a phenomenon during lockdown and a lot of people were asking me at the time do you know for people who can't get to a theatre the odd online show wouldn't be a bad thing any more thoughts yeah. oh yeah completely and and uh, like I'm also involved with the, the, the Cork Film Festival and uh, and we did a pivot on to digital one year then we did a hybrid last year but we've absolutely increased our audience um when you do when you provide a digital product so we're not that's all part of the planning for this coming year with the everyman excellent look forward to it thank you barney whelan chair of the everyman theater board and delighted to see them back as i said there the other night and i just i i personally love the everyman theater and everything about it and there an awful lot, I have to say, during the year 0818 96 96 96 on the hospital attacks and on attacks on people on buses we were talking earlier this morning about staff nurses in particular being attacked in the course of their work in overcrowded hospitals tim brosnan says both bus aaron in road aaron and dublin bus must look inwards to find a solution to violence and intimidation on their vehicles uh, that's to do with the buses i note that hospital staff feel threatened by some people do we need a hospital police Possibly a three-month sentence for the first offence. That's the route we need to go. I think t- Tim is talking about the the calls for a transport police, which are kind of brushed aside. I'll come back to that one tomorrow because more detail in it, and I want to read it in more detail first before I go for it. Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Just a couple more comments to finish up on the nurses getting abuse in the hospitals and getting assaulted in the hospitals. Lady is doing an important job. This is about Michelle. And I don't want to equate her job with mine. But sadly, I have to say, I'm involved in catering. It's just as bad. The abuse you get. And the women are just as bad as the men at this. I've been at all kinds of hotels. And lastly on this, the health service is broken. Nobody should be waiting six hours. But of course, the nurses shouldn't be abused either. 0818969696. Now, there's an event coming up on the 27th of August, which is a tribute to Thin Lizzy. But they've been done Many, many tributes to Thin Lizzy and many, many tributes to Phil Lynott, but none quite like this. This is the RTE Concert Orchestra at the National Museum Collins Barracks, an orchestrated Thin Lizzy gig, which sounds like a real treat. Tom Dunn, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. When I heard the ads for this, I said, wow, that sounds like a brilliant project. Phil would be delighted. Yeah, I think so too. The songs are amazing. They really are. And when you put them in the hands of an orchestra like this, which is like a big, powerful orchestra and great arrangements, a guy called John Metcalf doing the arrangements, who's worked with um, Peter Gabriel is the main person that he's worked with. So they really, God, the, the songs just come alive and you realise how brilliantly written they are and mm. how powerful emotionally they are too. Um, it's it's going to be a very special night. It's a very special place, you know, at the whole anniversary of uh, Michael Collins' death and this barracks named after him where of course Ireland was basically handed back to the Irish that's where the ceremony took place so so loads of different emotions around that and then one of our greatest sons Phil Lynott that came through Crumlin which is not far away from where I grew up um, so you know loads of different registers with it which um, and to be on stage singing with part, what, what an honour yeah. my word the orchestra are, are quite remarkable. I, I've seen them a couple of times in, in the with, with Jenny Green, for example, and and they really get into the music and to take songs that were written for a rock band uh, and to yeah. turn them into an orchestrated arrangement. I can't wait to hear what that sounds like. Yeah, nor can I. I've heard rough. Um, you know, arrangements from John. John has been sending me over the, you know, his his kind of computer versions of this, but it's a totally different thing when you get into the room with an orchestra. I have a little bit of experience of this from the Thela when we did with the Irish uh, Chamber Orchestra, um, Happen Songs. And it's like you're stepping into a much more powerful car. And uh, it's like a car where you, you just need to feather the accelerator and you're going to be going 60 miles an hour. So you need to be very careful. Yeah. And uh, you sense this all around you so it's an amazing experience to be in the centre of it Now you're one of the artists that'll be performing uh, a Lizzie song on the night are you allowed to tell us what ones? Yeah, I think I am yeah I don't think anyone's asked me to, to sign the, the secrets act I'm doing the boys are back in town uh, um, good that's one, one. Yeah, and what an honour. I, I can remember doing my leaving cert, or my intercert. And when I did my intercert, I bought the boys are back in town on 7-inch. Wow. And this would have been in Drimna. 
which is walking distance to Collins Barracks, you know. Mm. Um, I can remember that being the most exciting event in my life of the summer I had. And then the following year, I got to see the Thinazine Daily Mount um, when I was still in school. That, that, you know, and they were, I was singing along, they were doing Dancing in the Moonlight. I was singing along with that, In the Moonlight. So to be getting to sing that song, God, what an honour. I'm doing two others now. I'm, I'm very privileged. I'm doing Sarah and I'm doing Kathleen as well. And oh I really want them to. I haven't heard Kathleen yeah. and Young. They've given you gems, Tom. Well, I think I got in ahead of the crowd there and drew a circle around those ones. Um, I particularly wanted to do them because I know their two songs Phil wrote for his two daughters. Yeah. And I think they're two of the most beautiful songs ever written. And I have two daughters. Yeah. Uh, so I particularly want And I have tried, tried songs for them and I haven't managed to write anything remotely as good <laughs> as Sarah. <laughs> and Sarah, Sarah's the one everybody knows, but Kathleen is such a gorgeous, gorgeous song. I, I advise oh, go take a look beautiful. and find it. Have a listen. Now, Jack O'Rourke is there and Mundy and Wallace Bird. Yes. Now, are there tickets available? That's the most important thing. There are. Yeah, tickets are available um, through all the usual outlets. And uh, it, Jack O'Rourke and Mundy, Jess Cav, who is a truly amazing singer, most recently singing with the Water Boys a great deal. And Shobzy is a guy, I don't yeah. know if you know much about him, but he is one of the most remarkable voices in Ireland. I'm truly embarrassed and I really hope that he goes on at least one or two people before me I don't want to go on after him uh, or after Jess for that matter <laughs> just, or if I am I hope there's a long intermission or something um, because there there's some serious vocalists you know yeah. so tickets are on uh, Ticketmaster yeah. and, and all of that and it's brought to a singular artist which is it's a new promotions company which is putting great gigs together I note yeah I noticed that they're very clever, very well curated stuff. Uh, brilliant ideas, brilliant. They're a name that are cropping up time and time again now. And uh, gl glad to be a part of one of their shows. Tom, lastly, have the Happens retired? Or what's the story? Oh, far from it. Far <laughs> from it. We've had about four or five gigs during summer. We've done a good few gigs with um, the, the Stunning. We're playing with them again on Friday in Wexford. Um, then I've done I've done a solo show. I'm doing more of them. And I've hooked up with Fiekna from The Flowers. And he and I and Alan Connor are doing dates. Uh, they're kicking off the end of September. Right. And they're they're really, I'm very excited for them because there's, there's new songs and stuff going into that. So Fantastic. It's great. Fantastic. Tom Dunn of uh, Something Happens fame, part of Tin Lizzy orchestrated with the RTE Concert Orchestra on August 27th, which is Saturday week at the uh, Michael, the Collins' Barracks in Dublin. National Museum Collins' Barracks in Dublin. What a show that promises to be. Thank you, Tom. That will be great. Tickets available uh, on and Ticketmaster for that one. 0818969696. Just trying to clear whatever business we have before we finish. We had a few things that came in, and the problem is we get try and get to as many of your messages as we possibly can. Um, we don't always get to them, uh, but we'll see. Yesterday we were talking about dating, and there was more of this in the paper about you know whether whether men need to up their game or are women become too demanding which is it you know we were talking about that yesterday um, I've men friends around me that are constantly looking at beautiful women on social media with pictures of ladies half naked and stuff it creates an unrealistic beauty standard and puts pressure on women maybe it's not a thing of women versus men maybe it's about what kind of person someone is which is a good one on which to finish 
And that's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Tomorrow's Friday. We'll see you then just after nine. Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Cork's 96FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.